So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. The men's USA basketball team is still the heavy favorites, even after the loss to France and some other gold medal odds. You have the USA minus 300, Australia plus 800, Spain plus 900, France with the big win over USA at plus 1100. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, Houston Gay Potters? Sky and Bobby back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 422. We're breaking down the NFC East studs, duds, breakouts, sleepers, and we got a deep sleeper for you as well that can relate to Dynasty as well as Redraft. I'm your host today, Sky Gwoski. You can find me on Twitter at Sky Gwosko. You find Bobby Lamarco at Bobby Lamarco on Twitter as well. Pretty easy for the Twitter handles. On Instagram, we're at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and fantasy football X factor. Bobby, how you doing, brother? How has the NFC East been treating you this week? There's a lot of fantasy relevant players in this division. Yeah, it's good to talk about your own team, talking about the Giants and uh diving in, learn some new stuff. Uh, I actually have a new find. I know last time we talked, I wasn't a big Kenny Galladay fan, but I might be warming up to Kenny Galladay. We might talk about him in a little bit. That's awesome. And I know that you've been a uh, Kenny Galladay fan in general, but not necessarily for fantasy. So it'd be cool right. to see if that turns around. And I got to be honest, I've been um, not crazy about some of the uh, you know football team players just because you never really know. But look, with Fitzpatrick coming in, We'll see what happens. I'm getting a little more excited about those guys, too. So we'll talk about the Eagles, the Giants, the football team, and the Cowboys today. If you have not yet tuned into the rest of our NFC East breakdowns for this week, we had Fantasy Bald Guy come on yesterday with Bobby, and then we have my man Kyle Dozier of Boom Bus Fantasy Football come on earlier this week. And, of course, we broke down a mock draft as well with Jordan Delavalle and my good man, Curly, who helped me start the podcast in 2018. He came on out of retirement to rock a uh, mock draft. So if you haven't checked those out yet, dial back the clock on the last week's worth of episodes. And we are coming up on August, Bobby. The next episode we release after this one will officially – actually, this is the first episode of August. So we are officially in draft season. It is draft weeks. We are doing multiple drafts per day. We got four to five episodes per week, carrying you all the way to the finish line here. And we've only got about six weeks until the season kicks off for the regular season, but we've only got about two or three until we get some preseason games here. We're going to have some important cuts. Aaron Rodgers is finally back in the building. There's rumbles of Deshaun Watson situations. Players are kind of coming and going. Uh, so we will see, man. It's an exciting time here now that we're in August. You know what? Uh, I'm excited. You know, it's <laughs> we're going to talk about one of our sponsors too with draft boards, man. I just really, I live out in San Diego. Most of my friends are back in New Jersey, but I remember the days of getting together for draft season and sitting around drinking beer and just chill, like doing nothing but football. Like, I'm just, I have, I've, I'm keeping it dormant, but like being on this podcast with you is it just, you're just, I'm just ready. I'm ready for August. Nice. I'm ready for the, the first games next Thursday, too, the Hall of Fame game. So I'm looking forward to it. I cannot, I cannot wait. And we know that the preseason is, uh, you know, it's for second, third, fifth stringers. It's for guys to like prove themselves and make a make a team. You're very rarely going to see an actual stud out there for more than a few snaps or a few drives, which is good because we all want to avoid injury more or less in these games that are exhibitions, essentially. Um, 
But it is good to see him strap up. It's good to hear the announcers come back. It's good to have, quote-unquote, Thursday night footballs and Sunday nights and, oh, yeah. and uh, games on, like, Tuesday afternoon and shit because they just got to fit him in on, on TV. So it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun, man. I'm excited. Well, we got a couple divisions left. We're going to get those cranked out here in August, and then we'll get into some other fun episodes as well. Once again, Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 422. We're breaking down the NFC East, studs, studs, breakouts, sleepers, and a deep sleeper as well. Before we get into this, I do want to give a shout out right away to one of our favorite sponsors here. And Bobby had a taste test uh, a couple of weeks ago on air yeah. and loved it. And I want to give another shout out, of course, to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, SeekTheSpice.com. 10% off the promo code TCK. Go to SeekTheSpice.com, Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana based, not banana flavored. Bobby and I have talked about a few different fruits that we would like to have. We've asked our guests as well what what fruits we would like to have other than bananas. We've heard a lot of uh, a lot of mango, a lot of peach. I personally think a strawberry would be kind of nice. Maybe a, a guava, something nice and milky. Uh, I think would be delicious there. So go to seekthespice.com, hit up bomb banana, get the white label with the mild, the red label, the muy muy, a little bit more spicy for those of you that enjoy it. Bomb banana hot sauce, banana based, not banana. Flavored. All right, Bobby, let's get into this, man. we got a lot of players to cover. I'm going to let you kick it off, man. Who are you going with as the NFC East stud? Before you get into this, of course, let me rattle off who is eligible. So if you're new to this series we've been doing over the summer, I'll break it down for you quickly. We're only talking about the NFC East players. So if you're thinking to yourself, I would take this guy as my first-round stud or fourth-round stud. If they're not in this division, we're not talking about them. We already have or we will coming up soon. We do studs, which is rounds one through five. These are players according to NFC ADP. If they're in the top five rounds in current ADP over the last two to four weeks and they're uh, rounds one through five ADP, they count as eligible for stud and dud rounds one through five. Breakout is six through 10. Sleeper is 11 through 14 rounds and deep sleepers 15th round and further. So that's how we kind of. Uh, decide who is even eligible for these categories for Bobby and I in the stud and dud category. Same players are available in the first five rounds in the NFC East. Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, CeeDee Lamb, Miles Sanders, Amari Cooper, and Dak Prescott. Bobby, off the top, I have not done the research, but there are four starting running backs in the first five rounds in this division. And frankly, the first three rounds in this division, Zeke, Saquon, Gibson and Sanders. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Who is your stud in the top five rounds that you're confident with? Well, first off, I'm going to say this. I love a lot of these guys. I like Zeke at five. I actually Same. have Zeke as my RB4 probably in fantasy right behind uh, Derek Henry and, of course, Cook and CMC. So I'm high on Zeke. Barkley falling to 10. Now I'm starting to be interested. I was not interested in the top five, but at 10, back into the first, I'm buying. But So it made it really difficult, but the guy I am actually – Tickled the fancy a little bit. It's Antonio Gibson. Now, listen, when Ron Rivera, who, of course, Scott Turner, his his Norv Turner, his old buddy Norv Turner's son, who's he brought over from the Panthers, now the Washington football team. Got it. Uh team <laughs> he brought over from that team. Scott Turner is the uh the architect, his father, Norv Turner, of the CMC years. Remember Christian McCaffrey, like, and then Ron Rivera just casually goes, yeah, Antonio Gibson reminds me of CMC. I'm sorry, I can't ignore that. Of course, Antonio Gibson coming out of college, everyone talked about his passing game chops, being a converted wide receiver. Now, the first year it was J.D. McKissick that took on that role. Could have been because of pass pro and just kind of keeping the plate small. We saw with CMC the first year under the Scott Turner and Norv Turner scheme, they actually used him, they used Jonathan Stewart a lot. And actually, CMC didn't really get a full workload on the ground. He was actually used more in the pass game. So it did. It took him year two to become the dominant running back we thought he could be. So I kind of feel like that could be the same trajectory of Antonio Gibson. Now, it's not just CMC, okay? Now, the offensive line, they've made a lot of moves. Of course, Morgan Moses, their right tackle is now gone. That's a huge problem. But they did draft a, a guy in the second round. You brought him up on your podcast uh, Cosme, Cosme, whatever. You said he was one of your top guys who's picked in the top 50 range or whatever. That's good. Uh, Lucas, who was their swing tackle, had to play a lot last year because of injury, played some left tackle when Williams left. 
He actually actually had a very solid PFF grade inside the top 30. He's an option at right tackle, but they also brought in Charles Leno, PFF number 28 uh, uh, tackle from last year. He's now on the team. They also brought back Eric Flowers, who's the top 32 in PFF guard grades. So they have beefed up the line. Now they have starting assets from left to right. Remember Williams left last year. Now he's on your 49ers. And they had a hole at left tackle. They had a lot of movement. But now the offensive line has been solidified. I think there's a lot of good talent up front. That gets me excited for Antonio Gibson. Uh, But when I looked at the history of Norv Turner and Scott Turner, when you actually start peeling back, this is an RB1 factory. This offense, just you can go back and go not just CMC. Let's go. Let's let's take. I'm going to take a trip down memory lane, Sky. So first off, 2015, Adrian Peterson comes back from injury in 2014 in this scheme in 2015. 357 touches. He finishes the RB2 that season. Ryan Matthews. Yes, Ryan Matthews played with North Turner as a head coach with the Chargers in this offense. He finished in 2011 as the RB8 that season. You also have LaDainian Tomlinson. By the way, the, the two guys you want to mirror your running back after is LaDainian Tomlinson and CMC. This offense had both of them. LaDainian Tomlinson, 2007, RB1. 2008, RB7. You go back, Frank Gore, your boy. One season, Norm Turner was the OC for you guys. 2006, RB4 that season. And then just a guy named Lamont Jordan, you know, from the Raiders. 2005, RB6. This is that offense, that Norv Turner, Scott Turner scheme. They have been utilizing running backs in a bell cow way. You go all the way back to the Dallas Cowboys with Norv Turner, with Emmett Smith. This is a factory for RB1s. You have to buy into that especially in PPR formats. If he takes the next step in the passing game, the sky's the limit for this kid. And that's why he's my stud, especially going right. Well, I actually, in a draft, he goes right the one, two turn. I'm all in on him there. I'm taking him. He's probably easily a top 10 running back for me. And I have to consider him maybe at the RB eight range. He's going to be, he's going to be someone I'm drafting in the late first round. 36 receptions on 44 targets as a rookie. The only concern with Antonio Gibson you can have is a this toe issue which doesn't seem like much but it pretty much like ended Deion Sanders right this turf toe thing hopefully he can get that under wraps I think he will I think he'll be fine but that's the thing we're talking about preseason and then McKissick JD McKissick led in targets 110 targets per game ahead of um that was both of those were ahead uh Alvin Kamara now I when I was digging deeper in my breakdown of the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys with Kyle Dozier, I realized that the previous career high in targets for JD McKissick before last year's 110, which led the running backs, his previous high. Bobby, you want a, a, a guess on what his previous high in targets was? McKissick, 30, 37. 37 is actually quite a great guess. It was 46. But nonetheless, it was less than half of what he had last year. So I don't think that's going to continue. G, uh, he is a converted wide receiver. Antonio Gibson, I like that call a lot. And he would be just fine as my RB2. Are you comfortable having him as your RB1 this year? I think that is the question. Yep. The thing with this, too, is the defense. You know, that defense is so good that I don't just – I think they're going to have they're going to be a competitive football team in a lot of games. They're not going to get game scripted out, but it's really we're going to have to see preseason to see if JD McKissick's still the preferred third down back no matter what. We want to see Antonio Gibson take the next step like CMC did in his second season to earn more work in that third down role. But the thing is too, this is a different offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Alex Smith. He is not going to check down. The need for a player like JD McKissick might not be as big because Alex Smith relied so heavily on J.D. McKissick by those 100-plus targets. This offense is going to change. They might think, all right, well, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, we don't need a a great pass catcher like J.D. McKissick. We can roll with Antonio Gibson because we know Fitz is going to target his receivers and tight ends more. Yeah, and all those targets are going to De'Ami Brown anyway, which I'll get into later. All right, let's move on here to the next FC East. Bobby Gay, Antonio Gibson. I'm also going to – you said to start yours – also cool with Zeke. I didn't put Zeke as my stud, A, because he's already a stud, so I wouldn't be saying anything new. B, he's in the top five in ADP. I don't know like how you can actually you know, put somebody up there uh, that's even further than that. But I do want to back up that I am comfortable taking Zeke. I expect uh, 
the bounce back. He's down to 208 pounds, his best um, weight coming in since freshman year of Ohio State. I think he's going to be a beast. I'm not worried about Zeke at all. My stud, though, is going to be his teammate. CeeDee Lamb is going as the 12 in the third round from weeks one through five, of course. CD was the number 11 receiver while his teammate, Amari Cooper, was in the top eight. And Michael Gallup, 29. And Dalton Schultz was a top 13 tight end as well. And Zeke Elliott was a top five running back. So there's plenty to eat in defense. I'm not worried about it at all. I almost went with Dak Prater, but I went with CD Lamb instead. CD Lamb over the games was 17.1 fantasy points per game. He was sixth in yards, 420 targets, 11th in receptions, and averaged 24 points per target. He caught 74 passes for five touchdowns, and he was just short of 1,000 yards with 935. In 85% of his snaps in the slot last year that was second in the NFL. And Amar is an incredible player when healthy, and he hasn't missed games due to injury. Oft injured. And he's coming in with a foot on the pup list. He is expected to start week one, so he's not. But that just means more reps for Dak Prescott Lamb throughout the something really important. So excited for CD Lamb. And again, if he's able to dominate in the slot, then this is an opportunity for him to beat line beat slot cornerbacks and Michael Gallup talented can beat deep and Amari Cooper will as well so I'm very excited for CD Lamb I do think there's an opportunity to outpace Amari Cooper if not this season next and Bobby do you want to guess at who player profiler that you know they comp either to another player take a wild guess at who who CD Lamb is via player profiler i'll give you a clue he's a hall of famer and many would many that are would he's uh the receiver of all time third receiver of all terrell owens best of all time not kenny galladay <laughs> you, you said so you're telling me you're asking you're telling me the player profiler for cd lamb is calm to the number three receiver of all time arguably my guess Saying it's the people would say he's the best wide receiver of all time. Man, I it's Jerry Rice. It's Jerry Rice. Oh, which the is the best. Oh, I'm sorry, the third best. best. Okay, you my bad. My bad. Three, three my best. Bad. Maybe Jerry Rice yeah. somehow is the player comp for CD Lamb. Which let's be honest, I like CD Lamb. It's his second year. Jerry Rice played. I think it was 47 years in the NFL, if I'm correct. There. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he yeah, he was in the Hall of Fame about four years into his career. So we'll see what happens here. But great player comp, obviously, dominating in the slot. This offense is not going to slow down. I'm extremely excited to see Kellen Moore tear it up once again. Mike McCarthy throws nonstop as well. I'm worried about the Cowboy offense, and I'm going to take a little bit of a value um, by about four slots on CeeDee Lamb, but the sky's the limit. And I think if anybody else falls at the top and CeeDee Lamb in the way that he did, he could finish top five and maybe have a Justin Jefferson type season this year. Yeah, you know what? It's it's tough to bet against the Mike McCarthy offense, the volume with Kellen Moore at OC. They have been throwing a lot. Um, it's hard to gauge them, though. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my player in a little bit, but CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, you know, there's been plenty of scenarios where when I talked about my my uh, TCK player spotlight with Amari Cooper, I brought up a couple things. Number one, Cooper was dominating targets the first four weeks with Dak, but C.D. Lamb was still doing his thing. Now there is some volume concerns because the first four weeks they were at a on the ridiculous pace. It's not even sustainable. It's not even close to being sustainable. So it's hard to really judge what the actual you know value is going to be for these guys when the volume normalizes a little bit with Dak Prescott. So. A little bit of question marks there, but you got to like, I want to see if C.D. Lamb overtakes Michael Gallup as the number two. There's no way C.D. Lamb, I understand he's going to get better, but he needs to be the number two. And uh, like, let's say, for example, two receiver set, 12 personnel. I want to see him on the field. Michael Gallup's the one that ran the most routes last year. So it will be interesting to see if Cooper 
and CeeDee Lamb could be the two receivers, and Gallup comes in for three receiver sets. But that's something I want to watch during preseason because Gallup, uh, CD Lamb needs to be on the field more, especially because of his talent, but also if you want to, he has to hit his upside. I'm excited for both of them, man, but I'm a little bit concerned about that issue. Not like wide receivers with foot or calf uh, lower issue. So uh, I'm going to take uh, CD Lamb, and we can we can hopefully get that upside. You get into your dud in the first and Zeke, Saquon, Gibborn, Lamb, Sanders, Cooper, Prescott. Which of those guys is your first five rounds? Okay. Now, this is a tough one because I don't really think anybody's a true dud. Um, really, it comes down to cost, but it also comes down to understanding Dak Prescott's 2020. Okay. So in 2020, Dak Prescott averaged 54.5 dropbacks per game in the four games he started from start to finish. Okay. That's a 16-game pace of 827 uh, 872 dropbacks, okay? Now, just to give you context for 872, the no-risk-it, no-biscuit Jameis Winston in 2019 had 705, okay? That's 170 more dropbacks than the air-it-out, interception, much-of-volume Jameis Winston. So it's not even close to being sustainable. So when I looked at that, I said, all right, what is sustainable? So I just took a look at Aaron Rodgers with Mike McCarthy the last five years or so. On average, they average about 40 dropbacks per game, and that comes out to about a 640 pace. Ironically, that's the same exact pace Dak had in 2019, that first year with Kellen Moore kind of running the show. So that seems a little more realistic for me. So that to me then, he's not going to have this over-the-top over the top volume that we thought he's he, that's what that's what made him elite he doesn't have the rushing floor like Kyler Murray or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson he also doesn't have the elite talent around I mean well not around I actually think CeeDee Lamb and Cooper are great but I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes I don't think anybody thinks he's Patrick Mahomes so I just think he's a tier below that that group but I think he's kind of in his own tier but he's going right behind Lamar Jackson according to NFC ADP in the back of the fourth round I personally will not touch him there. I'd rather, for example, take a top 15 to 20 wide receiver in that range over Dak Prescott and wait a round or two. You could probably even wait three rounds to go Tom Brady. You can go uh, even guys like Aaron Rodgers who might start creeping up. Even your boy Justin Herbert will probably be going two-plus rounds later. So I just think from that perspective, but also when you evaluate how many – so football focuses fantasy points per drop back, Okay. So in those four games, he was eighth in points per dropback. So it is a more of a volume thing. Yes, he was number one in volume, but he was eighth in producing fantasy points on that volume. So that's going to make him drop down a little bit. I'm not saying he's the eighth best quarterback because Mike McCarthy's system will have more volume. But it's just something to keep in the back of your minds. He should not be drafted right next to Lamar Jackson. He probably should be going closer to the 5-6 turn. But I am definitely in on Dak in the five, six turn range, just not inside the top 50 where he's going right now. So Bobby, what I'm hearing you say is you're not interested in 6,000 yards. Is that correct? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, I am, what I'm trying to tell you is if he throws 55 times, if he drops back 55 times a game, I'm all in on Dak. Give me him in the third round because he's going to be awesome, but it's just not sustainable. <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah. So you say he's 6,000, right? So, I mean, really we're talking about, the difference between 55 dropbacks and 40 dropbacks is probably about 10 or so plus uh, attempts a game. So, I mean, if you're looking at yards per target, you know, it's still feasible. He's, he's probably a realistic option for 5,000 yards oh, because absolutely. the McCar he, yeah, because Jason Garrett's offense is this is a listen, I'm all in on the Cowboys. I love Zeke. I love CeeDee Lamb. I love Amari Cooper. I love Michael Gallup later in the rounds. I love this team. Because I know Mike McCarthy is going to give him the volume that Jason Garrett never did. So that volume, you give these guys talent, the talent these guys have, you just give them the chance to have the volume. They're all buys. But I'm just saying Dak at 40, 46, 47, 48, and that back of the fourth round, you're passing up some premier wide receivers. You, guys like Cooper Cup are falling in that range. And, and guys like Robert Woods sometimes fall back into the fourth round. Give me those guys and pair them with Justin. Well, I'm not a Justin Herbert guy. You are, but I'd rather have Tom Brady three plus rounds later, or a Aaron Rodgers, or even Matthew Stafford, and a Robert Woods, Cooper Cup type receiver than Dak and waiting on a guy maybe getting lucky and getting a guy like Tyler Boyd at that range. 
Okay, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson ahead of Dak Prescott. Is that correct? He's five for you? Yeah, yeah that's correct. So ahead of Herbs and Wilson and everybody else. So he's ranked higher, but you're you're just not into the cost in the fourth round. Yeah, correct. Understood. All right. Obviously, I'm throwing out the 6,000 just tongue-in-cheek. His pace last year was <laughs> insane. But yeah. I, look, yeah. man, I mean, look, CeeDee Lamb's my guy, and um, he's my stud. I believe in Zeke and Amari as well. And uh, the tight ends are incredible. I put out a stat on the last show of Kyle Dozier, too. In 2019, Jason Witten, who came out of retirement, out of the booth, to run a couple, you know, in routes and curls with Blake Jarwin, they combine for the second most fantasy points in football that year. It was Travis Kelsey, Dallas tight end, and George Kittle. So it there's plenty to go around this entire offense. All right, my dud is another one that uh, could easily bite me in the uh, behind. I am just for some reason feeling icky about it, and it's unfortunately your man Saquon Barkley. Now, basically, just like Dak. I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to be hopefully amazing. My issue is, again, it is cost. The reality is he's going as the running back eight, which is much cheaper than running back one or two that he's been the last couple of years, but still running back eight, back of the first round. And the big issue, obviously, Barkley tore his ACL back in week two of last season. Now he's going to have basically a full season to recover by opening week. And ACLs aren't what they used to be. Dalvin Cook has bounced back tremendously. Adrian Peterson came up for 2,000 yards in an MVP after a torn ACL. It does happen. Unfortunately for Saquon, though, we keep hearing more and more setbacks and more and more kind of, eh, I'm not quite ready yet. I'm not going to jump out there. I'm on the pup list. You know, he's going on sports talk radio shows, and they're of course they're asking him about his health, and he is not confident. Like, man, I'll be out there. I'll be out there. A lot of athletes, even if they're full of shit, are still going to say, like, man, I'm 100%. I'll be there. I'll be there. He's not. And I appreciate his honesty, but he's straight up like, dude, like I'm not. And I got to be 110%. This is two years in a row that he's, you know, ended the season with injury. He's incredible talent, obviously, but that is a risk. In 2019, I'm going to throw out last year because he only played about a game and a half. 2019, he was 60th in fantasy points per opportunity, which combines total fantasy points divided by running back carries and touches. So he was very good for fantasy football because of the volume, but 60th in opportunity and efficiency. So a lot of that is offensive line. The Giants come in to 2021 ranked as the last offensive line in football. That worries me, according to Pro Football Focus. They were ranked 32nd coming into the season, and they rank bottom eight in both passing and run blocking efficiencies and metrics per Pro Football Focus. Now, Saquon Barkley is incredible. If he runs, if he combines for another 2,000 yards total, he's the RB2, 3, 1 on the season. Am I going to be shocked? Obviously not. Um, but I, in that range of where I have to draft him, I'm going to take Nick Chubb. I'm going to take um, Tyreek Hill. I'll take Travis Kelsey this year. I'm going to take, uh, you know, Devontae Adams. Um, not sure I would take Austin Eckler that quickly, but he Austin Eckler is going ahead of Saquon Barkley right now in this uh, NFC ADP. I like Saquon a lot, but in the first round of all the first round players I'm looking at, he's easily the biggest question mark. And I just I have to avoid obvious question marks in round one. The the old cliche is you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. I don't want to get a guy that I know is already not coming in 100 percent, even if he ends up being incredible. I'd rather take the safety in the first round than the second round, shoot for upside later. And there's just so many studs up there that Saquon, unfortunately, is not somebody I'm willing to target in the first round. You know, man, it's when I was looking at Daniel Jones and Saquon in 2019 when they played together, he actually played very well with Daniel Jones. He averaged 17.4 points per game and half point PPR. I understand that there's a lot of volume associated with that. Um, but that still makes him somewhat of a difference maker. I mean, he's – that would be RB5 last year, way behind Derrick Henry, but slightly ahead of Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb in that format. Um, but I think I kind of agree in the sense that <clears throat> I like Austin Eckler. I might be considering Eckler over him. Uh, Zeke definitely, uh, you know, but when he's going at eight, and I'm sitting there at eight, and I'm a running back in the first round guy. I don't know if I'm going to take Kelsey. Kelsey to me in the first round is a little too rich for my blood. I'm not taking one of the receivers that early. If you're at eight, and he's sitting there, we have to be realistic. Like, who are the guys that are going after him at eight? So let's say, for example, it goes through. 
let's say JT and let's say Zeke are gone. Let's say even Austin Eckler goes at seven. Now you're sitting at eight. You're looking at you're you're thinking Kelsey. You're thinking Devontae Adams. But like from a running back standpoint, it goes Nick Chubb. You're gonna take Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones. I might consider Aaron Jones over him actually. So I would say probably pass at eight. But at nine, ten, eleven, it's hard to pass on Barkley because of his upside. Yeah, I agree. And again, Barkley could win your league if he's healthy. We've seen it happen. As a rookie, I mean, he he won fantasy championships. I'm not saying again. We're, you know, we're breaking down this division. We got to nitpick and find somebody. This is just the guy in the first five rounds that I'm a bit nervous about coming into the season, and I don't want that in my first round. Why don't we take a quick break, man? Why don't you give a shout out to Draft Boards, and we'll get in here for our breakouts. Yeah, fantasy football draft season is officially around the corner, and you got to do it with Draft with Red Zone. Red Zone Draft Boards is more than just a draft board. The best thing about this, it comes as a complete package. You're getting a draft board for draft day. Surround yourself with the boys. Have a good time. You set up the draft board. You get 400-plus player stickers. Who doesn't want a Young Way Koo sticker just to have? I mean, that's just the whole – that's worth 70 bucks right there. So I don't know why anybody else is going to do it. But it comes with more than that. It's the championship ring, which I – if you go onto these sites, a championship ring costs like $50 standalone. You get this a part of the package. But also keep in mind, you get awesome, cool. You get a great ring cases. You also get exclusive fantasy points cheat sheets that are part of the package. So if you and your buddies are not two diehard fantasy guys and you want cheat sheets to go along with it, you get cheat sheets from fantasy points. But I think the best part about the whole package, of course, is that they donate to help kids that are less fortunate play sports. So a $5 donation goes to charity for local sports uh, organizations. So – Please make sure you're going to draft with Red Zone this season. If you're doing in-person draft, and like I told Scott, even if you're doing it online for commissioners, you know what? Do the online draft, but have the board set up, do it in person, and you post it up, and you're good to go. So go to draftredzone.com. Make sure you use the TCK promo code to get 10% off. And remember, in the month of July, you're getting about 40% off. It's a huge discount. You get all this package for roughly $70. So go to draft with Red Zone today to get your draft board. I love it, man. I'm really excited for having having live drafts back. It's been it's been too long. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about that. All right, man. Let's get into our breakouts here. This is going to be rounds six through ten. We've talked about our studs and duds. Rounds one through five. We're going to get to sleepers in a bit. Breakouts six through ten. Here are eligible players in the NFC East: Kenny Galladay, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Michael Gallup, Michael Pollard. Who you got right. here in the as your breakout rounds Ma- six to ten? Did you say Michael Pollard? You mean Tony? <laughs> did you say Michael? I did. Who, who's Michael Pollard? <laughs> oh man, Michael Tony Pollard. Pollard. Hold, on, hold on, Michael Pollard sounds like a he sounds like a second string guard in like nineteen ninety six for an NBA listen, team. I gotta I, I gotta vet that. I'm sorry. Listen, Go ahead. You Tony, know it's all Tony, good, man. Look, look, Tony, big fan of the show, uh, friend <laughs> of the podcast, Tony Pollard. I apologize to you and your family. Love you, Tony. My bad, brother. No worries, man. Well, my breakout is actually someone I recently fell back in love with for fantasy purposes. That's Kenny Galladay. Uh, early in the offseason, I was kind of not interested in Kenny Galladay. And then, of course, we did our breakdowns for the Giants yesterday. If you haven't heard the podcast, I break it down not just for Kenny Galladay as a player, but also with Jason Garrett and how that offense really is conducive for true number one wide receivers. And just to give you a quick snippet, I actually looked at the 16-game paces of all the Dallas receivers that Jason Garrett was the play caller for from 2007 to 2017. 2018, I left out because that was the Amari Cooper transition year. And 2019 is when Kellen Moore took over play calling duty. So give you a reason why I did 2007 to 2017. That's still, that's still a lot of data. That's so that 16 game pace for those receivers comes out to 77 receptions, 1138 yards and 10.7 touchdowns. That number is good for the wide receiver 12 last season, 13.5 points per game. So this entire offense is conducive to have an elite, true outside receiver like a Des Bryant, Terrell Owens, even Miles Austin had some big seasons. So I think Kenny Galladay is the talent that he uh, on par with those guys. Now, the other thing I like about Kenny G is actually Daniel Jones. And what I was really surprised about, and I broke this down yesterday, is that Daniel Jones is an elite deep ball passer. I did not realize it. When you watch games, you're so used to the fumbling and the erratic play. But when you actually just pull yourself away and look at the numbers, 
PFF graded him as the number three passer when it comes to targeting receivers 20-plus yards downfield. Number three in the NFL. Seventh in deep ball accuracy. And what Kenny Galladay does better than anyone is the fact that he can dominate downfield. 41% of his passing yards in 2019 came from passes that were targets 20-plus yards downfield. That incorporated the fact the league average is 23%. So the league average for for receivers – uh, their yards versus total is 23%. Kenny Gallagher is up to 41 So he is a very reliant on deep passing. And if Daniel Jones is able to connect with him and stay accurate, I'm buying it. But now he's coming at a ridiculous discount. Last year going in the third round, he's going at the 5-6 turn. He's actually going outside of the fifth round at pick 61 on NFC ADP. I just did a draft last week. He went in the sixth round. You're getting a guy. This reminds me, and I said this a lot too, he reminds me of Stephon Diggs in the sense that he is an extremely, extremely efficient wide receiver. He is always tops in yards per route run, great on a yards per target basis. His efficiency metrics are off the charts, but now he never had the volume. This is where he could. Jason Garrett has given plenty of top receivers 130 targets. I just talked about that. If Kenny Galladay gets to 130, he's going to crush his ADP in the sixth round. I'm buying him now at the 5-6 turn. And that's why I think he's my re-breakout because he did break out in 2019. But I think he circles back. He becomes the primary target in, for the Giants in 2021. Well, you've talked enough about Kenny Galladay. Let me uh, let me give a, a deeper shout-out here to your boy, Daniel Jones, and a special shout-out to our good friend, a uh, friend of the podcast, extended family member, Christopher Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast. Daniel Jones actually ranks number one Bobby, in next-gen stats, top 10 deep ball passers from 2020. Completion percentage, 48.7. Absolutely fantastic. He went deep 39 times, which isn't that many, but he was very effective when he did it. He increased his, uh, let's see, increased by 14.8 on his his, uh, efficiency down the field. And he improved by almost 20 percentage points as well, um, which is the largest uh, increase in the entire league from 2019 to 2020. So is there a chance, and obviously that benefits Kenny Galladay is why I bring it up. Is there a chance, Bobby, that Daniel Jones, who has been, I mean, you're a Giants fan, you tell me, but Daniel Jones has been, in my opinion, fun at times and disappointing most of the other times for fantasy and probably for Giants fans, which Josh Allen was as well in Buffalo before last year. I'm not saying he's Josh Allen, but is there a chance he takes a Josh Allen-esque leap with Saquon back, with Kenny Galladay, with Kadarius Toney, with new weapons? Uh, Kyle Rudolph is there, who's not getting hyped for fantasy, but another great uh, weapon um, and another year of, of Joe Judge. I mean, what do we do you think that there's a potential – that Daniel Jones could completely, you know, outpace where he's at, assuming he stays healthy and takes care of the football. Sky, I should just click one button to answer your question. Okay. Bam. Stunned. Daniel Jones. So Done. when we get to Daniel Jones, I'll break that down for you. But let's get into your breakout first because I'll talk plenty about Daniel Jones when we get to that sleeper category. Fair enough. Love it. All right. I'm going to stick with another quarterback here in the uh, NFC East. And I'm going to go with my man, Jalen Hurts, going as the QB 12. Now, this three-minute soundbite could be completely unusable uh, if one uh, Houston Texans quarterback ends up a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. But until that day happens, I'm rolling with my man, Jalen Hurts. The offensive line for the Eagles was number one, according to Pro Football Focus, in 2019. They fell to, two, or they fell to 19th ranked last year, and that was due to injuries and ineffectiveness, of course, in 2020. There's no competition outside of – uh, Deshaun Watson potentially coming over. His rushing upside is immense, obviously. He could go 3,500 and 1,000 yards potentially. He went off against Arizona down the stretch. And here's where we get to have fun with prorated stats. And I love doing these because, you know, the big uh, the big shows like to not do these because they're silly and inaccurate. But we like to talk about them like Dak Prescott uh, throwing for 6,000 yards. If you prorate the five games – that and really four games that he played full time last year, week 14, 15, 16, and 17 for Jalen Hurts. If you prorate that over a 17 game schedule, that would put you at roughly 4,800 passing yards, which is insane. 
23 touchdowns, which is fine, 11 picks, whatever, 1,350 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. That would put him in the top five for quarterbacks. And he's going as the 12th, and it's all about upside. We know that. I just want to run through a couple of his games quickly. He came in and started going full-time against the Saints. Great defense, 19 fantasy points. At Arizona, I had him in in, uh, the – uh, what is that? The fantasy semis back and forth game kept scoring three thirty eight and three touchdowns, 63 yards on the ground and another score 37 fantasy points that week at Dallas. The next week, big rival three forty two, sixty nine 69 yards on the ground, 21 fantasy points. And then we know about the hogwash with the uh, week 17 and that whole debacle and situation where only played a half 17 fantasy points there too, though. So, he uh, is able to get it done. I believe in the better weapons. He now has Devonta Smith, and um, I think the tight ends are going to be fine. Miles Sanders, who I'm not crazy about, hopefully takes a step up and helps him out there. He can obviously break a big play um, there as well. So I like the deep threats, and uh, I like the opportunity for Jalen Hurts. And I don't know if there's anybody more polarizing at the quarterback position this year that's not an injury conversation than Jalen Hurts. And there's just so much kind of uh, – disdain in the fantasy community for some reason and uh, unless someone comes in to blatantly outright take his job I just don't see how this kid can fail if he's not injured you know don't overthink it <clears throat> he's a elite rushing quarterback and the good example of this is that week 17 game he only played three quarters to be fair but the point is he threw seven for 20 72 yards okay terrible couldn't get worse Oh, yeah, he just did two rushing touchdowns and 36 yards on the ground. Like, that's the thing about Jalen Hurts. It's like you guys have to realize that, yes. Against, he, against Washington football team, who is an incredible defense. Exactly, exactly. But the thing is, if you play, if you give him another quarter, he's getting you 20 points even at his worst. The point of Jalen Hurts is that, yes, he had two, he had one giant game and then two kind of mediocre games. He actually didn't finish as a top 12 quarterback. He actually finished a QB 13, QB 1, and QB 17 in his full three starts. But the thing about Jalen Hurts is that, number one, Devonta Smith, he's there now, elite number one. Then you have the improvements like you just brought up on the front. Brandon Brooks isn't just some guy. He's like one of the top guards in football. Then Andre Dillard, their first-round pick, comes in, brings more continuity to that line. But the point is, and they also brought in Landon Dickinson. So, like, now they have more depth and talent up front. But the thing with Jalen Hurts is that you've got to just don't over – these rushing quarterbacks – offer you a baseline on their bad days in the week, winning week when they're good. And that's where, listen, he's going right now. His, his ADP, like you said, some for some reason, is flatlined. I thought it was going to continue to go up, up, up. And next thing you know, he's going where Justin Herbert. He's going by, you know, maybe even touching Dak Prescott in some cases because of that. He's flatlined. If you can get him in the eighth round, don't overthink it. I understand Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady more than anybody. But because he doesn't offer anything on the ground, he just doesn't offer the same level of upside Jalen Hurst does, and I think that's why you need to go with him in that eighth, ninth round range. And we've seen the inaccuracies at times from people like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is those guys yet because he's got to prove himself, but he has the potential to absolutely be those kind of players. And we know with those players, if they don't get it with the arm, they can still get it with the legs. Cam Newton had 12 rushing touchdowns last year, and he threw eight it was, it was terrible, right? But he still won you weeks early in the season. Jalen Hurts, I think, can do the same thing. Bobby, let's get into our sleepers here, and then we will uh, – after you give your sleeper, I'll give a shout-out to our final sponsor of the day. All right, man. So, listen, Daniel Jones, you just asked me a bunch of questions about Daniel Jones and how I feel about him. He is my sleeper of this division. Now, we've talked about this a lot. I was not a big fan of them fire uh, the Giants firing Pat Shermer. I thought Daniel Jones flashed – flashed enough in his rookie season to give Pat Shermer another chance with him uh, for to see if he develops. The fact that they just uprooted him, we've always talked about this system continuity. Something we talked about early in the offseason, we forgot about it. I got to say it every podcast. It gets boring, but system continuity is the best asset in fantasy. Disruption is never good. Now, second year leap is 1,000% of thing. I broke it down in the Giants podcast, and I'll do it again here. Kyler Murray in his second year with Cliff Kingsbury, 7.1 more points per game and six points per passing touchdown leagues. Aaron Rodgers, 9.4. Kirk Cousins, second, yes, senior advisor Gary Kubiak. But, yes, it was his scheme with Kevin Stefanski, 3.6 more points per game for Kirk Cousins. 
Matt Ryan in the five full games. Yes, I'm nitpicking because Julio Jones didn't play last year. It's not fair. In the five full games that Matt Ryan played with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, he averaged 26.9 points per game, up from 21.5 in 2019. The second-year leap is the only time when there's the same coach and the same quarterback you see general growth. You can bank on growth more than any other time. You know, that's the time when you buy. And this is the second year with Jason Garrett. Now you put in Kenny Galladay. And you bring in Saquon Barkley. Now you have depth with Kenny, uh, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Rudolph behind Evan Ingram. This offense is going to give him the weapons he needs to succeed. Plus Jason Garrett. I brought up my 13 seasons as a play caller and head coach. Ten of those seasons produced a QB1 for fantasy. Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, plus Daniel Jones. People don't realize before he got hurt last year, he was on pace to be a top five rusher amongst quarterbacks last year. So when I say this, if you don't get like, I'll tell you this, I just did a draft. By the way, Sky, we should probably talk about this off air, but you know, I'm going to talk about this is our podcast. We do whatever we want. I just did a podcast. I drafted TJ Hawkinson at pick five, Kyle Murray in the sixth. Never done that before, but those guys fell down value. Found value with Kyle Murray in the sixth. Had to take him in a 12 team league. But anyway, my point is one of the things I want to start doing is taking two quarterbacks in the 12, 13, 14 range that have high upside. One of them's Daniel Jones, the other one's Cam Newton. And just figure out one of these guys is going to emerge their second years in the system that they're in, and they have the rushing ability. So I'm buying Daniel Jones as a great QB two. If, for example, you were to fade a quarterback in the draft this year. Now, we just lost Sky here, but I just want to make sure that you understand that when he jumps back in, Sky, we're losing you. Now you're back in. So, Scott, that's basically my thoughts on Daniel Jones. Why don't you break down our last sponsor and then dive into your sleeper? I will, absolutely. I did want to bring up uh, really quick here the amount of sacks. That's my only. Uh, that was my only consideration, sacks and turnovers for Daniel Jones is the issue. We just talked about his efficiencies down the field, which helps with great new re- receivers coming here. Um, but again, he's got to take care of the ball. In fantasy football, you're usually not penalized that – buy that stuff too much but what it does do is it takes the ball out of the offensive hands that hurts everybody on the giants if they're giving up if they're giving up the ball obviously and you know this washington football team defense is incredible uh the eagles are usually much better than they were last year cowboys will see if they can improve this year as well so not a great division defensively but washington uh twice a year minimum is going to be tough for them all right let's get one more shot here to our final sponsor of the show and it is the Jersey Jungle. I want to give a shout out to the Jersey Jungle here. DM them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. You can shoot out the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of your order. One or two jerseys and 15% off of three jerseys. Go to the Jersey Jungle on Instagram and let them know. We've got stitch and twill jerseys. We've got baseball, football, basketball, hockey. They got Olympic jerseys. They got throwback jerseys. They got home and away. They got retro. Check out the Jersey Jungle. I've got a ton of jerseys from them. You guys know I rep them every time. I've got an order in. Bobby's got an order in. We're getting some new jerseys to get repped. Uh, and I'm going to update my backdrop before we get into the show this summer and uh, the season. So I'm very excited. Claim your guys now. Go out there. Say, look, put your stamp on a player. Like my deep sleeper is a guy, which I'll get into in a second. I believe this guy is going to be the truth for a long time. I'm planting my flag now. I'm getting the jersey early, and I'm into it. Make sure to go to the Jersey Jungle for any sport, any jersey, authentic jerseys, stitch and twill, really high quality. My man Trenton will hook you up. At the Jersey Jungle on Instagram, use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys and 15% off of three jerseys. Now, one jersey I would love to have, Bobby, but I, I, I'm not confident in getting this jersey because he probably won't be on the team next year. And I'm not into getting jerseys of guys that aren't on the team after the fact, if I can avoid it. And that is my man. Ryan Fitzmagic. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is the QB 23 right now. He's my sleeper in this division. Now I should have gone through and I will right now go through the sleepers and the categories and the people that we can even talk about right now. Cause you might be like Fitzpatrick. There's gotta be somebody else sleepers round 11 through 14 in the NFC East. And it's going to be Janie McKissick, Evan Ingram, Jalen Rager, Daniel Jones, who Bobby just covered Kenny Gainwell, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Sterling Shepard. I almost went with Kenny Gainwell because I just don't believe in Miles Sanders enough. But Bobby and I try to keep these episodes to an hour. We've already argued about nine podcasts over Miles Sanders. I didn't want to get him all fired up <laughs> to kick off his weekend. So I oh, stayed away man. from Kenny Gain- Kenny Gain- Kenny 
Gainwell. I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, QB 23 right now. The Washington football team offensive line is sixth, according to Pro Football Focus, leaving last season. We know that they had Alex Smith back there, which is very tough. Kyle Allen, uh, Heineke as well. They signed Charles Leno, offensive tackle from the Bears. It's a great pickup. They also draft my man Sam Cosme. We went into it earlier when he was talking about Antonio Gibson. Tackle out of Texas, and I thought he was going to be probably like a top tackle with my, my man Panay Sewell out of Oregon and uh, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. I thought there could have been a case for Samuel Cosme going at maybe number three um, as well, and he fell in the draft, and the football team got a great bargain on him. So that's going to help there as well with an already very steady offensive line. I said this last show, but I'm going to reiterate it as well. Seven games last year, Fitzpatrick finished. He threw for 300-plus yards in three of them, under 200 yards in three of those as well. So it's hit or miss with Fitzpatrick. We know that. It's Ryan Fitzmagic. It's Ryan Fitztragic. You're not sure what you're going to get on each week, (laughs) but I do like the upside, and the weapons are much better in Washington, in my opinion, than they were last year in Miami. He also does not have a Tua behind him that they're going to force in behind him if he struggles. There has been talk early in camp that, Taylor Heineke is looking great, which Ryan Fitzpatrick has to quote unquote win the job, but I think that's going to happen for week one at least. And Kyle Allen is Rivera's guy, but he's more of a depth piece. So I'm not worried about that. Fitzpatrick has scored at least 20 fantasy points in 12 of the last 14 games that he has started for fantasy football. He's not a QB one, but he's a fantastic QB three in super flex leagues. And I would be totally fine taking him in one of my final three rounds in redraft single quarterback leagues and stream him. If you need to, he's going to be on the waivers. Most of the time you pick him up at a good stream, but people are always paying attention to him. So if you have a deeper roster, I would just draft him and keep him on your bench. Ryan Fitzpatrick, QB 23, my sleeper, out of this division. You know what, man? I agree 100% with this one, too, because of the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick's proved it on the field consistently over the last couple of years. Yes, he's boomer bust, but the problem was he's been either tied with Jameis and then he was tied with Tua. But in 2019, he was consistent. Like, he was actually – he was a streamer quarterback, but he pretty much finishes at QB1 all the time. Um, the talent around him, too. So, like, from Logan Thomas – uh, from Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick in the backfield, but his receiving core too. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of our deep sleepers as well. But Terry McLaurin is bona fide stud. Great third-round pick for fantasy, top elite type of route runner. Curtis Samuel brings a solid number two. And then the the backup guys, De'Ami Brown, and we're going to talk about Adam Humphreys, two guys that we're interested in as well. But those just show that he has a well-rounded team around him. But the offensive line is showing some improvements. What they did on the offensive line is good for him. But it's the pass volume. So last season with the Dolphins, that team did not throw much. I talked about this back uh, when they were when they first went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The hodgepodge of quarterbacks, when you talk Alex Smith, when you talk about Taylor Heineke, you talk about uh, Haskin, they threw about five to six more times a game than Ryan Fitzpatrick did in Miami. And he's doing that stuff with low pass volume. So you have to take into context that this offense with Scott Turner is going to throw a lot more than how he threw in that Chan Gailey scheme last year and the year prior with the, um, the other Pats coordinator. I forget his name off the top of my head, but they did not throw nearly as much as the Scott Turner scheme. So now Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little more interesting because he's going to get more passing volume than he did previously because of the Turner scheme. So I'm, I'm interested. He's another one of those guys. Um, you know, Scott, do you have their schedule in front of you? Who? Or no, the, who uh, they play week one? Fitzpatrick, I'll look it up. Keep going. Yeah. No, just my thought because he's he's like if you're fading quarterbacks, and, you, and listen, we talk about Cam, we talk about Daniel Jones. You know, if you're looking at his week one, I think it's the Chargers actually, and that's kind of interesting. They're, they're going to change it all at scheme, but then they play the Giants is tough. So, you know what? It might be actually a while because then they play the Bills. He does have a tougher early season schedule, Chargers, uh, Giants, and Bills. And the Giants are going to be just insane. Now they have a Dory Jackson goal with James Bradbury on the outside. So, um, I might, you know, it's not going to be an early season thing. But he's definitely someone you have to keep in mind for streaming quarterback, especially when he gets softer matchups. When you get to, like, the Falcons, for example, who knows what the Saints are going to be now. They lost a couple players. They do have Marshawn Lattimore, but that team's in flux, too. And then they go on to the Chiefs, could be a shootout. A lot of extra volume playing behind with the Chiefs. So the middle of the season could be a time where you could buy and scoop him up as your potential starter for a couple of weeks. I totally agree, and I'm going to I'm gonna back that up. And 
nobody's drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick in single quarterback leagues to start, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't start him anyway. You're right. Chargers, Giants, who should be improved in the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo is going to be tough, but at Atlanta, possible shootout. Home with the Saints could be a shootout, depending on what happens with their quarterback. Chiefs at home should be a shootout, and the Green Bay Packers and Lambeau should be shootout as well. So that middle, you know, you start trying to figure out who's who's coming and who's going. I think that's going to be a great waiver wire pickup. So um, for those reasons, man, I'm good to have them. And I'm, I'm the type of guy, even in a single quarterback league, I draft two or three quarterbacks. I know that's like the faux pas of fantasy football, and I <laughs> frankly could give is. a shit less uh, because I win leagues and I'm not really worried about it because uh, I think it's the best way to do it. Mm. So <laughs> I take an extra quarterback or two early, like Justin Herbert, just in case something happens to Terod Taylor. I draft Justin Herbert all last season instead of hope I get him off the waivers because the reality is no matter if you spend all your fab, you spend all your fab. You got your guy, but now you're out. Or you're deep in waivers and you're probably not going to get him anyway. I just alleviate the risk on a guy that I want. A guy that I want late with the upside weekly is Fitzpatrick. If I've got room, I'm taking him. We got deep sleepers left, man. Same uh, same situation here, 15 or later, round 15 or later. So we're scraping the barrel. But let's take a look at Blake Jarwin, Zach Ertz, Devontae Booker, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Toney, uh, Dalton Schultz, Boston Scott, Deami Brown. The list goes on. Who are uh, Who is your deep sleeper round 15 or later in the NFC East? So this one's Ooh. interesting. I... Ooh. All right, here we go. Here we go. So hear me out on this one. All right. So one of the things I'm looking at, I didn't like anybody, to be honest. I wasn't in love with anybody in that range uh, because we talked about before the show, there's so much talent at the beginning of drafts. Everyone's all in on this division. So you're dealing with the barrel here by scraping the barrel. But one of the things that caught my eye was Adam Humphreys, some of the news that he's been connecting with Ryan Fitzpatrick early in camp as the primary slot receiver in the offense. Curtis Samuel currently is hurt. He's on the side. It's Terry McLaurin and Deami Brown on the outside with Adam Humphreys manning the slot. So when I looked at this, it reminded me of Tampa Bay. So I looked into Tampa Bay in 2018 when Humphreys played with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That season was kind of split. It was half Jameis, half Ryan Fitzpatrick. But that season, Adam Humphreys finished as the wide receiver 24 in points, total points in PPR, and wide receiver 34 in points per game. So top 36, wide receiver three in PPR. This is 1,000% a PPR, only maybe half. I, I wouldn't even say that. I would say only PPR. But Adam Humphreys has produced with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's just something that caught my eye because I'm like, you know what? If he's going to be the main slot receiver in this higher volume offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to target his receivers. But I also have seen in the past that Adam Humphreys and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had a connection in Tampa Bay. So if you're in a PPR league and you're in a best ball format and you're deep in that, and you just need like a guy that you know can get you like that five for 50 and he gives you that safe floor. If, if Adam Humphreys wins the job, of course, Deami Brown could be the slot receiver or Kurt, it sounds like Curtis Samuels playing outside. What I've gathered is that they feel that Curtis Samuels better fit for his deep threat. Like they used him in Carolina in 2019 so that means the slot receiver position is open. And Adam Humphreys is like a prototypical. He could have a Cole Beasley-esque season as his ceiling. We saw Cole Beasley just as recently be a top 30 receiver in that format. So just a thought, deep sleeper, Adam Humphreys. Not a terrible pick, man. He definitely has the upside, and he's going to have a decent floor, especially if he gets that number three position. I'm going to stay in Washington, actually, and I'm going to take another deep dive wide receiver here for my deep sleeper. And – uh that is Deami Brown. You just mentioned him. Bobby, before I even tell you, I would love for you to guess off the top of your head where Deami Brown is being drafted and what wide receiver he is roughly on NFC ADP currently. So which wide receiver is he and what round is he getting drafted in just off the top of your head? Uh, wide receiver 87 and going at 275 overall. <laughs> Okay, so like mid-20s <laughs> round, you're thinking mid-20s round, something like that. Unfortunately, for everybody but me who actually believes in this kid, he's going as wide receiver 148. Bobby, that's not a typo. 148. I didn't even know there was 148 wide receivers in the league, let alone yeah. in fantasy football, eligible. Wide receiver 148 and round 37. So those of you who are in 38-round leagues – 
you have a chance here. You better uh, stab for for uh, Deami Brown. <laughs> that's, but for- that's two red zone draft boards, by the way. You'd have to get two of them for that. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> uh, maybe they'll have a pro- they'll have a, a TCK promo code that if you say TCK Deami Brown, Brown. They'll do like a buy one get a half a one for free, so you can just like tape it on the bottom. Perfect. That way, that way you could get into your thirty seventh round. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the deal. Rookie coming out of North Carolina, playing in North Carolina, not a, a primetime school at all, but he dominated where he was at. Now, this is going to be a ridiculous comparison, but I just want to kind of like put apples to oranges here and see how close the fruit could be long term. First of all, he's with Fitzpatrick, likes to throw deep. We know about Mike Evans. Uh, we know about, you know, his other wide receivers that he's had over the seasons um, with, with, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I do think like last year, Devontae Parker finally showed up for the Dolphins as well. Yards per target last year, I'm going to take De'Ami Brown, and I'm going to take the Heisman Trophy wide receiver, Devontae Smith. Yards per target, De'Ami Brown, 13.1, and Devontae Smith, 12.5. That could be game script, I understand, but I like the stat. Even though he played 11 games last year, Devontae Smith played 13, so two more games than De'Ami Brown did. Brown was number two in the nation with deep yards on passes of 20-plus yards downfield with 543 deep yards. Uh, Devonta Smith was the only wide receiver in college football last year who had more than that at 589. So he had uh, 46 more deep yards than uh, De'Ami Brown did in two more games there at Alabama winning the Heisman Trophy. So I know it's a stretch on the comparison, but I also like the landing spot. Curtis Samuel's fun. He's he, I, I know they're trying to, to force him deep. I just I don't think that's his game. That's my personal opinion. Terry McLaurin is a savage, but he's also not a deep burner. He he has speed, but he's not a deep burner type wide receiver. Ryan Fitzpatrick, your boy Humphreys isn't either. De'Ami Brown should be that guy. And he's boomer bust, obviously, this year. But again, we're talking, you know, 37th round, let alone the 15th place. He's just somebody I'm stashing on my bench. I've got him on all my dynasty teams. I expect De'Ami Brown to be special in the next year or two. So this is so okay. We haven't talked about this guy. I feel like we danced around one player. It's Curtis Samuel. You know, the one thing I I heard constantly, and the Scott Turner and Ron Rivera trying to make Curtis. I know it's not his game, but you got to understand. 2019, Kyle Allen was his quarterback because Cam Newton got hurt. Kyle Allen was one of the worst deep ball throwers, and when Curtis Samuel was going downfield, it was empty. They were not even close to being accurate. So he had a bunch of empty air yards. Now you put in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we know is willing to challenge defenses, who's a much more accurate deep ball thrower. I don't want to overlook the potential of Curtis Samuel fitting that scheme better with a better quarterback because Kyle Allen was complete trash in 2019, throwing the ball deep. So that means that if Curtis Samuel plays outside, do you believe that De'Ami Brown could be a slot receiver? Because I heard some rumblings that he is playing a little bit on the inside, but what are your thoughts about De'Ami Brown playing inside? (laughs) Well, if they go if they go head to head, then Adam Humphreys is going to get beat out. First of all, secondly, Deami Brown Woo. in the slot. Deami Brown in the slot would be insane. For he, he's he's six one four four speed. Um, there's no chance. I mean, Adam Humphreys would have the rapport early with Fitzpatrick, which he clearly has from Tampa Bay days. I respect that. But if they go head to head and it's liter- it's an actual competition of which would be a better slot matchup, it's Deami Brown, no question about it, in my opinion. All right. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely something to watch. Honestly, I think this is good because we're bringing light to the fact that if once we have training camp, we're going to have preseason. And if, if listen, if, if Adam Humphreys wins the job, he's worth a dart throw in the 20th round of a PPR league. If De'Ami yeah. Brown beats out, this is what we talk about all the time. We talk about Deshaun Jackson. We've talked about previous podcasts. Sorry, I just lost power. But if we talk about previously, that Adam Humphreys is a benchmark. Like if, if De'Ami Brown can beat out Adam Humphreys, that should give everybody confidence because you just talked about all the talent this kid has. But if he's able to be in the right place, to know the offense, to run the right route, so Adam, that Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ron Rivera, and Scott Turner trust him, you better be taking flyers on these guys. Because 6-1 slot receiver that has the talent that could beat out you know, veteran players like Adam Humphreys are guys you're going to want on your fantasy team. 100% agree. I said this last uh, episode I did with the football team, but I'll end you with this. 
Curtis Samuel is going as receiver 43 currently. These are other wide receivers around him in that range I would rather have personally over Curtis Samuel. All of them except for Debo Samuel are going after Curtis Samuel. I'll take Debo, Brandon Cooks, with or without Deshaun Watson, Jerry Judy, Mike Williams, oh, yeah. and Antonio Brown. So oh, I, just yeah, don't, be- I, I just don't think that Curtis Samuel is a deep threat wide receiver. All of these guys are incredible talents. They're in the NFL. Okay, Anybody can catch – a 40-yard pass and turn it into a touchdown. But that's not his game. He's a Debo Samuel-type wide receiver. He was a running back half the time at Ohio State. That's not his game. If they're going to just air out the ball to him and he's going to get like 15, 20 targets, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field, then sure. I mean, hopefully that'll amplify his stats and he'll break a couple for big gains. And Like, that would be fantastic. But to me, that's a misuse of talent. Terry McLaurin is Terry McLaurin. He's, he's everything. Right to me, it's Curtis Samuel in the slot. It's a no-brainer. He dominated last year uh, as, as in the short range with Teddy Bridgewater. That is much better for him. Deami Brown is a deep stretch wide receiver. Using him in the slot would be a misuse, and not using him at all is going to be silly, in my opinion, as well. Adam Humphreys gets the start, in my opinion. Deami Brown beats him out eventually by halfway through the season. I think Deami Brown's going to be on people's radars and going to be picked up as like. Holy shit, where did this kid come from? So I'm going to claim him early. Bad boy. I like it. I'm into it, man. He's definitely someone you're going to put on your – I think this is important that your faith and your on him is someone – that's the point of training camp. Like we watch these guys. And if they earn the starting roles, you've heard it here first. If he's starting in three receiver sets for this team, you better put him on your team. Bobby, this is, this is just – I'll sum it up with this. The two starting wide receivers – for the NFC Pro Bowl team, Jalen Hurd, Deami Brown, lock it in. Ladies and gentlemen, 422 episodes in the book here. My man Bobby LaMarco always holding it down steady. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. My name is Sky Guasco. You can follow Bobby at Bobby LaMarco on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod and fantasy football X factor. You can catch us next week. We got a whole nother grip of games going on here and we're very excited to get into another division so make sure to hang out i want to give a shout out one more time to our sponsors as well bomb banana hot sauce banana based not banana flavored seek the spice.com draft with red zone draft boards as well again use the promo code tck quickly so you can make sure to get advantage on your team and get that draft board up for your live drafts and of course the jersey jungle at jersey jungle on instagram this episode has been brought to you by bet online your online sports betting experts shouts out to the believe podcast network as well leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast and follow us right here on youtube give us a subscribe leave a comment and hit the bell we'll catch you next time for my man bobby lamarco i'm your host sky guasco we are out of here Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.